Welcome to the new day, my fellow pot thoughts. I'm coming to you from wet, wild, sunny Buffalo, New York. I'm your host, Logan Eldine Missalan. So today, there's no other real announcements other than I'm going to be having some homework for you guys, some couple videos to watch because uh, got some special treats for you, some uh, analysis stuff coming up, but that's all in the future. But right now, um, as the episode title kind of declares that this is this is going to be one of those hunting podcasts, but I don't want you to turn away. I don't want you to click away. I just want you to kind of listen and kind of hear some stuff I got to say. So this isn't all just opinion. This isn't all just... This isn't just like, oh, I love it, so you should love it too. No, not at all. It's not for everybody. But what I do want to under everyone to understand is that there is absolute uh, truths to hunting that aren't presented well in the media. And I wanted to go to you, my fan base, my my family, my friends, everybody, and I really want to share my 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 thoughts with you and and the stuff that I've learned. And some of you may already know this. Um, I know some of you already may know this, but I really want to share some stuff that maybe you didn't know and stuff that I didn't even know up until this past year even so i you know i just felt like it'd be a good idea so we're about to get the things wrapped on or wrapped and under the way and we're just gonna be we're just we're just gonna get through this there's a lot i gotta talk about most is gonna be running high um if you don't like hunting if you are against hunting please listen because there's a lot of stuff that it's not going to change your mind of course not but there's a lot of stuff that you, you need to understand how this world works and i'm not trying to be pompous with this it's just it's just flat out this is how stuff works and it, it's not and I, I don't blame you i don't i'm not angry with anybody who doesn't like this it's just it, it, you didn't know i didn't know you didn't know it's all right i'm not angry not not one bit this isn't an angry podcast i'll let you know so with that we're going to get things started folks all righty here i am i'm back everybody so okay so today uh, i'm going to be making a lot of just Flat out statements and then explaining them. So just stick with me. Things may seem to get a little uh, hairy here and there, but just stick with it. It all makes sense in the end. Um, I, I'm I'm working on my my presentations here, so just stick with this. But I I I believe I can get this out. So here we go. So okay, the first thing I've got to say first and foremost, hunting is good for nature. All right, there's there's uh, just there's there's so many things that go into hunting that benefit the just the world itself it's not just because oh we control populations oh this and this and that but there's like it there is so much money in it that doesn't go just straight to just industry um there's so many awareness groups that they understand the land they 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 know everything there's to know about it they're they're in there they're in the fight they're they're fighting for what we want everything that we need and they're doing it in such a way that it actually is working um but the thing is, is that I'm going to start breaking down specifically uh, the, the basics of uh, of ethical hunters, ethical hunting, and I'm going to explain that in a bit. So the, the, the way that it should be. Um, as hunters, we understand and appreciate these animals that we pursue. And, you know, sometimes even more deeply than other people. There's a lot of times where the experiences that we have and the fact that we're in there and we're studying these animals, you know, we're, you know especially if we're ethical and, and we're the good hunters we're, we're being so respectful we're, we're learning about them and we're, we're coming to them we're not we're not trying to um do anything that's unfair to the animal we're trying to give the animal the most respectful things so we're learning about them we're, we're in there we're growing with them and these experiences that we're having and we're we're trying to learn as they are in the wild because we understand that we are kind of outsiders um and these experiences that um you know they're they're more than just um these articles uh, and Facebook posts and Facebook videos that people might see. And not that that's, that's wrong. You, there's still good information out there and stuff. But like all, all, a lot of times it's the experience that we have that gives us that deeper understanding of what's even going on with those. Um, 
And the thing is that biologists themselves, they understand and they use hunting and hunters to improve the environment. They, um, uh, we, we as hunters, we, we give them information and they give us information a lot of times to locate animals and locate certain types of habitat where they might be. And it's all for, uh, and their goal is a lot of times when they're guiding hunters is to control populations that might be overabundant and might be uh, causing harm to the environment itself, whether it's large game or small game, um, large animals and small animals. Um, and uh, they uh, they also, you know, will we do surveys to keep pop, to keep an idea on populations and keep an idea on the health of uh, the animals themselves and the nature itself and the things that are going that are going on around and put in a lot of times in the times of year where they're not around the biologists and we are. Um, and the biggest thing about that, though, and the reason I bring in biologists is because we have some of the strictest regulations in every aspect of hunting there is there is hardly uh hardly anything that's untouched by regulation at all um strict strict laws and there's huge penalties they deal with things like times of year we're, we're out and the times of day that we're allowed to hunt and especially a lot of people don't know us but there's a there's a there's an amount of animals that we can take out of the wild and that's honestly one of the most closely watched and acknowledged aspects for us as hunters and uh, biologists and uh, the officials and the, like uh, like officials as in the the crap what is the word I'm looking for authority the authorities um, larger animals like bears and deer and things like elk and moose for the most part uh, you get essentially they have yearly limits you can only have so many of these animals a year like uh, two three maybe at most um, while smaller animals like rabbits squirrels uh even ducks they have usually a a, a a daily limit like a small daily limit and the thing about that is that each of these limits they're extensively researched and debated and they're in correlation to population so the larger the healthy number of animals are essentially the more uh animals you can harvest and with larger animals it doesn't work exactly like that way you, there's things called tags and essentially you have to buy or uh, apply for these tags in a lottery system and you and you get these tags and you can only you can only have one animal per tag and a lot of times you're only allowed allotted one tag and the amount of population means how many tags they give out so how many people can actually cull these animals so but whereas something like squirrels and rabbits it could go uh, certain species could be really low in a couple of years and they could end hunting altogether or they could say you can only have two animals a day per person and, and or they could say you know you could have five depending on how prolific those populations are and that's something that i didn't realize a lot of people didn't know so i, I hope that taught some people like that um they also take into account exactly how successful hunters are because a lot of people just assume that you can go in and you can shoot something that day it, a lot there's a lot of people that's taken them almost a decade to to uh to take an animal to kill an animal to even find an animal a lot of times it took me a little bit too for some of the stuff that i've been looking for and it's not easy it's not easy one bit not at all so there's they take that into account as well so sometimes it may seem like oh there's a lot of tags that were sold or there's a lot of there's a huge well in uh, there's a there's a relative huge limit on this animal it's only because that they're a very hard animal to pursue and that there's not a lot of success within hunters of actually finding these animals so they can do that just in case because they're still Sometimes the population is just super high, so there's still a chance they might need to bring these animals down. Um, and honestly, 
these people are professionals. It's not just like a, a government head. It's not just one person making these decisions. It's not just hunters. It's not hunters at all. It's biologists. It's uh, professionals. It's people's experience that are making these decisions. And sometimes, obviously, humans make mistakes. But for honestly, 99% of the time, when they're doing their job the way that they're doing their job right now, the populations will never even go anywhere near near the danger line. They, they, so a lot of times, they won't even reach a record amount of animals taken in a, in a, in a season. It's, you know, that we want to maintain these populations. We don't want to drain them out. We don't want to make them ginormous either. We want to maintain them at a healthy level so that these animals are healthy and the environment is healthy. So these, as long as we can take as many animals as possible, but while still leaving the population still well within their, their uh, capacity point and the, the capacity of the environment to hold them, that's what we'll do. And that's what, that's what our goal is with, with these lines. And that's one of the biggest things about hunters. And that's the easiest thing to talk about in hunting. It's the easiest thing. But, you know, a lot of, that's a lot of the first things you're going to hear. But that, and that's why I'm starting off with because that's a lot of things that people don't understand or don't know. And I just wanted to share with that with you. Sorry about that pause, everybody. Something was going wrong with my, um, with my, uh, my phone here. But uh, another aspect is that... Um, we as hunters in many states are required by law to use up certain amounts of organic material taken from animals. And what that means is that these, these they're called want and waste laws. And uh, you can look them up. I'm, I'm not going to go into too much terrible detail. I'd, I'd be I'd be talking for three hours if I did. Um, basically, what this is is that it discourages anybody who'd otherwise abuse their hunting privileges. So they wouldn't. So a lot a lot of people. Uh, you know, think of hunters as they don't take the meat, they only take what they want, they only want to take this one aspect of the animal, but these laws discourage that, because maybe it did happen a lot of times, but, but um, with these laws in a lot of states, it means that you have to take uh, however many percentage of the meat of the animal, you have to take uh, the neck meat, the the hind quarters, the the uh, the fore, the, the, the front quarters, the, the back strap, uh, some of the organs uh, that are, are usable, and, and maybe even the, the pelt, the skin, it all depends on the state, but that's something that is uh, really interesting that a lot of people don't know either. And But that bleeds into what I'm about to talk about now is that we as hunters, we're bred and we're taught to to use uh, as much of the animal as we have the ability to. So a lot of people, because um, not everybody can do everything with an animal. Obviously, we all have different skills and it's not necessary anymore like it was in the 1800s. So a lot of people do use the pelts. A lot of people do use even the organs, even the brains to do things with and a lot of primitive crafts, and a lot of primitive skills. Um, but the thing is, for every single person, is that um, we are uh, taught that the meat is the most valuable Sorry, my dog said there was an intruder coming. I'm sorry that there was an interruption, everybody. I really apologize. But like I was saying, that the meat is the most valuable thing to us as hunters. It absolutely 100% is. It's the whole point of we doing what we do. It's the whole reason we do this. And we teach this to everybody. And so I, and this is gonna, I'm going to lead into something that you know a lot of people know about, a lot of people talk about, and I, I want to expose some shit, some stuff about it. I'm sorry, everybody. Um, so it's trophy hunting, okay? So this is ignore everything you knew ignore it all okay i'm gonna break this down it's gonna make sense by the end please don't get all up in arms about this okay trophy hunting is a misnomer that just adds a bad taste to the appearance of hunting okay because meat is the biggest trophy all right meat is it's the most nutritious the most organic source of protein in the world it honestly just is it's what most of us as hunters hold the most dear to us it's what we use all of most of us depend upon it we call out wasteful 
practices, we educate and we acknowledge that there's multiple ways of different species of animals that we have to prepare them. We have to, we have to uh, do things before we even cook it. We, we, we educate people about these. These different species have different ways of uh, working this meat so that it's delicious, that it's tasteful, and that it's, it's worthwhile to, to actually be used. In the, and, you know, have these wanton waste laws actually make sense. And so we want to do that to prevent excessive waste. We hate waste as hunters. Truly, we do. If, and a lot of stuff that if we do waste, we just don't have a purpose for in this day and age. But we would, if, if we had a purpose for it, we would use it 100%. Um, and the thing is, is also about trophy hunting, is that, hunt, hunting, hunting, trophy hunting, is that we're storytellers. As humans, it's bred into us since the dawn of time. It's, it, since we came into existence, we've been storytellers. And if, if we as hunters did not use these pelts and the skulls as trophies, quote-unquote, I'm going to use that because it's just a word that we can use. I don't like to call it that. We would not have this tangible narrative that reminds us of the spiritual and emotional experience that uh, that respectfully taking a life is. And then this meat that we are using, that it's a spiritual experience for at least most of us. I can't speak for everybody. There are probably some bad people out there, but I know for me and for all the people that I know and that I listen to, it's such a spiritual experience to take this meat um, that is on this earth and that we did it ourselves. We know exactly who prepared it. We know exactly who made it. We are like nature and we know exactly where it came from. And so th this, these, uh, these trophies, so to speak, they're, they're just a testament to that. It's honestly to us, it's the same as if, um, you know, we won a medal from a, uh, a fair or a trophy from a tournament, even anything from gymnastics. Um, you know, and it, it taxidermy in all its forms is the same thing exactly like that. Taxidermy is what's called a physical narrative, and it's a thing that humans have always used. We've always had taxidermy in forms. We've used pelts. We've used clothes. We've used food. We've always used animals. We always have, and not that we have to anymore, but it just for a lot of us, we like to kick into that primal sense of ourselves, and it's something that completes us, and it's a completing part of our DNA. It's a completing part of our uh, person. And also, if honestly we didn't use these parts of the animal, they, they would go to waste. They would go in the trash. And honestly, who would want that? Is it, which, which is more disrespectful to the animal? Um, you know, just take, well, I mean, on, well, this is a trick question here, honestly. It's just as dis disrespectful to the animal to just take its antlers as it is to just use the meat. You know, we have the processes of making gorgeous, beautiful art with it, frankly. It's just a, a natural sculpture, you know, using as much of the animal as we possibly can to uh to to bring even you know more happiness later on uh, not not necessarily an eternal testament but just you know something that lasts a long time something that looks good to us and something that honestly brings us back to that place like meditation and so that's all i've got to say about uh trophy hunting at least it, what it is um you know along with that we as hunters we have we we abhor poaching we, we is the most despicable thing to us there are steep penalties for violating any of these regulations States literally put public dollar value on wildlife. It's a it's 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 a public resource available to people. Animals are viewed as essentially revenue, and so you know you violate that, you're violating the public trust. And so um, there's a I don't know which state it is, but they but they literally like put like okay this buck if you were to poach it it would be worth this thousand plus dollar fine. And the bigger the buck, the bigger. Um, the fine because it's such a valuable tourist thing to them and it brings so much revenue in and I'll explain why it does in a little bit but this man he poached this this gorgeous huge buck with these large antlers and 
that went to court with all these things, and he was looking over ten thousand dollar fine, which is an astronomical num money uh, amount of money when you take into account that like that that's like just walking out there, a living, breathing creature is worth that. Not that they're worth this much, and that you can put a price tag on it. It's only for uh, as a um, because we as humans we see monetary value as a as a potential stress and a potential threat that we put this on them to protect them, and that's a lot of these things, but. It's just a humorous story, just how like crazy we that people can get, and that what measures we have to take to prevent a lot of bad things happening. But um, trophy hunting is negligent hunting. Poachers and ignorant hunters use this this tactic. No matter um, what the hunt is, a trophy uh, um, is taken. It doesn't matter the meat, the pelt, the experience is even a trophy. Even if you don't get an animal, I have so many trophies like that where I didn't get anything. But um uh. The, the But the type of um, hunting portrayed as traveling hunting is not really hunting. It's not its intended purpose as hunting. E even from Africa and Asia, all these things, all these other exotic animals, it's honestly, um, even to the rocky animals, uh, the taking of animals is not bad until it harms the populations, is done with disrespect. Um, and trophy hunting is disrespectful hunting. It's negligent hunting. Um, if you do not let the, if you let the meat go to waste, if you let the skull go to waste, if you let any part of the animal that you, you honestly cannot use, or if you can honestly use, if you have an honest purpose that you can take this animal with, you should use it. And if you don't, that's trophy hunting. And that's, I, 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 I there's a lot of things that go around. There's a lot of emotions that run high. There's a lot of opinions that go around and you can stick to your opinions. This is just my opinion, but it's also a little bit of just, this is how things are truly are trophy hunting is not at all what you think it is and even in africa there's still some good things that end up happening i'm not going to talk about that this podcast that's way too much but it's just something to keep an eye open for so another thing is that any story you see or an instance of a gregarious amount of animals being taken um or a person taking um an animal in the uh, a different time of year other than the fall the winter or even the spring is honestly that's poaching that's that, that's not that's an inappropriate thing of a person to do it's not a hunter that's not a hunter hunters and poachers are completely different um no real hunter would dream of hurting this environment we depend upon this there's so many things that we depend upon um hunters we love and we appreciate the animals that are in the wild as they are in the wild we love them as they are in the wild we like them even more than on our plates or even on our walls honestly we we truly rely on these animals a lot of the times there's so many hunters especially in rural areas that depend upon this meat they feed their families we we feed our communities with this and when i was down south when i was living down south with my family before i got married um i vi uh, with my church i visited some people some of the fellow members and there was this man and he had like seven eight mounts of a white-tailed deer on his walls and you know and they were very well done they're you know they were very decent sized bucks they weren't small or anything and we were talking about it and he goes out every single year he goes out and he intends to take an animal for his family and he also intends to take any extra meat any other animal that he can take legally and he gives it to the community he gives all this meat to his friends his family anybody that might need it because a lot of times this meat it, because you are not allowed as a hunter you're not allowed to sell meat you cannot sell venison you cannot sell uh, certain things uh, you, you can only sell pelts and stuff if they're called uh, considered a fur bearer animal and which means that um that these animals that, that, that we put uh, a price in there first like beaver even coyotes even these things and that 
the only reason you can sell those is that so that you know there's there's still good fur out there technically if it's taken in a humane way and, and hunting and trapping considered is honestly a, a good res, um, resource but a little bit more about that later if at all but so what, what that means is that if you cannot sell the meat you have to gift it and you can give meat you can give meat away it's all right but you cannot take money for it um th- th- there was a problem that came out of the market hunting back in the day that did put animals into extinction that did put a lot of stress on the environment because people didn't know it wasn't a thing that was in the culture uh there's a lot of animals that we've recovered since then and there's a lot of animals that we haven't but there's reasons that we have these laws where you cannot take money so that it discourages anybody from trying to do that kind of practice um so with that there's a lot of donation uh, organizations. There's one here in New York. There's ones everywhere. You can donate meat, little, big, any amount, anything helps. And you can donate to these people and they will give it to impoverished people. And it's organic meat. It's delicious meat. And as long as it's prepared right, there's no way you're going to get sick from it. There's no um, instances of anybody really contracting anything when it was cooked properly. It's 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 good for people. It, it helps so many people. I'm looking to do it to save money as well as my health. And I look to, I'm going to look to donate myself anything that I can. I don't have a lot of space in my freezer, so I will be donating a lot if I do uh, take any animal this year. Um, you know, and that's just something else that a lot of people, I guess, don't understand. Um, and uh, and the thing is, is also a lot of uh, fish and wildlife agency employees, which that's that's the agency that controls these things as well as helps out the environment and stuff. And I'll explain more of that later. Um, they're hunters themselves, and there's a lot of appreciation that goes into it, and a lot of things that uh, that it, it harbors a greater sense of this this wilderness and a reason why they do what they do to help the environment as well as well as just hunting um, that their jobs and a lot of people obviously they're not very high paying jobs so they they do these things to help them and to help themselves and help others as well and it's like it's a work of love essentially and um, so if honestly if you have any hunter friends and stuff and they offer any meat I would take it I, I would take it there's such there there's an experience of sharing meat that is is just as primal as it is hunting and uh um i I forget the man's name but he's very well educated he's very well read on this and uh and he talks about this a lot in a couple of podcasts and a couple of books and he talks about how there's there's so many thousands of pounds of meat that does get shared uh, in north america alone and that um you know it's a very primal thing from the very beginning of time where you know we used to hunt for a living where, where we would have to hunt and that Sharing the meat was such a spiritual experience with one another of, of sharing sustenance. And uh, it brings pleasure to many people, and it would bring pleasure to me, absolutely. And uh, it's just an interesting thing. So I, I would I would uh, encourage anybody who's willing to take part in that. Take part in that and, you know, take take a meal from, from somebody that they're willing to give and to share with that. It would only benefit you both. So another aspect is that there's so many non-for-profit or non-profit organizations that are directly related to hunting and fishing that do more relevant work and put more money directly towards the good of the environment and the animals that they represent that uh, that most even related groups like PETA, Humane Society, and other environmentalist groups, which I'm sorry to say, that they don't at all work at all. They don't, they don't put the money where their mouth is. They, they, don't, they just don't. It, it's, it's just a fact. It's not like me being opinionated saying mine's better. It's just that there's so much proof that these groups, that they understand what it tr- is truly needed and the, the funds that are needed for it. And um, there, there's one example that I'm going to give. It's called the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. And they're a great organization. And what they do is a non-for-profit. They take the donations, they take the money, and 
one of the, my favorite things they do is that they take some private land that they can purchase and they convert it back into uh, public land or they give it back over to the government, these agencies, so that they can create more habitat, specifically for elk. But they also understand that um, the environment and the habitat themselves is what they should focus on. And they focus on so much that they'll have a lot of volunteer groups. They have a lot of volunteer programs that go out and a lot of people go and they try to um, improve trails. They try to improve the habitat by helping out the uh, these agencies with projects that they might have. And so they understand that what's good for the smallest organism, organism in the habitat is good for the largest um, organism as well. And so they're, they're not at all completely focused on one animal aspect. They, they do understand, even though they do do specify in one animal and they do help more with the one particular animal, they, they buy a byproduct of the process that they do. They help everything else as well. And there's plenty of animals that have these non-profit organizations associated, associated with them, like Rocky Mountain Sheep Foundation, um, quality deer management, uh, something or the QDMA, I think that's what it's called. Um, Ducks Unlimited, they they do such beautiful and amazing work for these animals and the um, uh, environment, and um, they understand. You know, and, and a lot of the money also um, goes. I mean, it goes into you know running their business and running everything about it. But they put so much more in retrospect to other. Um, non-profits that are related to this. I'm not saying all non-profits are evil, but um, that aren't hunting, but that's not, obviously not true. But a lot of these are the ones, they put more money in their own pockets than they do the actual environment or actual for animals, which is, is surprising to me because I thought it would kind of be the opposite way, but that's something that I figured it out. Um, also, uh, the thing is, is that these fish and wildlife agencies, they receive millions and millions and millions of dollars every year from us hunters. We put the money into the sport and we don't just don't we don't really donate we donate absolutely but the donations that we're i'm talking about is that the and honestly oh, i'm sorry side i'm gonna sidetrack but that in, in these agencies they don't deal just the regulations for hunting they don't deal with just fishing they don't deal just um what i love to do personally they also they, they take care of the environment and anytime that there's a uh clear cuts for you know promoting healthy forest any sort of forest fire thing and anything like that it's um, they deal with it and they're not just hunting and fishing. Um, they truly deal with fish and wildlife and the habitat and the, um, environment. But the thing is, is that every single dollar of our hunting licenses, our hunting tags, um, even fees that we might pay to go out of state and hunt in other states because it's state run, each state runs differently. And if you want to hunt in another state, that's, uh, like say with New York, say it's like a $25 fee to have hunting license if you want to go to pennsylvania if you want to go out to idaho to hunt you're paying at least like 300 dollars for just the license not just the tags that you need to buy as well for a specific species that is a lot of money and there's thousands of hunters um there are at least uh, 200,000 hunters that uh, uh t took a deer the past year over 200,000, and that's only the ones that took a deer so if you think about that that's 25 dollars a pop and there's way more than that that including myself they didn't take a deer so that is a lot of money and it goes straight into these agencies there's no other place that it goes um, there's no other thing that it goes to. It doesn't circumnavigate. It goes straight into these programs. There is no way that they, they circumnavigate. There's laws that specifically say you have to you have this money. You have to use it within a certain time, and you have to use it with a certain purpose. It's very well run. Um, and another aspect is that there's a thing called the Pit Pit Pittsman and Robertson Act um, tax. I mean, and I, I might be flubbing up this word, and so please don't crucify me. If you look it up, you'll find it truly. I, I wrote this down, and I can't read my handwriting right now, but what it is, is that every single item that's related to hunting, so ammunition, 
uh, firearms, clothing, even certain accessories. And uh, there's, even, there's, there's a separate one for fishing gear, and I'll talk about that in maybe another podcast if it comes up. But, um, and a lot of other just hunting equipment as well. There's, oh, I forgot what the percentage of tax, but there's a tax that comes off of every single one, and that money as well goes directly into these agencies as well. So there's even more money than just the, the, the fees that we're paying. There are millions and billions of dollars that have gone billions and billions and billions of dollars that go into um, these agencies directly from us hunters, us as consumers, as well as as sportsmen. We fund so many aspects of not just hunting, like I said, but the way that we're run. Um, and th that's honestly where a lot of this money comes from. We put so much into there. And it's, it's just amazing that we do this on a voluntary basis. And that, that tax came around in the 1930s. And if you remember the 1930s, the Great Depression, we as the people voluntarily said, we're going to pay extra tax on this equipment that's already way out of our budget, and we're going to help support our, our government, our agencies, that we can make this environment a better place than it is right now. And so back in the 1930s, and I can only imagine what would happen if we tried to do that nowadays. It's insane. So I'm going to move on to the next topic now. So... um. We as hunters, we don't just get to go and just buy a license. We don't just get to go and hunt. We don't just get to walk. And we have to um, go into what's called a hunter education class. It's like a 15-hour class if you're doing the one-day option. And it's so extensive. There are so many things that go into this class where there's a huge pamphlet that you get and it has... Just about every basic principle of hunting. It essentially what it is is any it teaches anybody from uh, ages of uh, the youngest age you can hunt in your state to as old as you want. Essentially, anybody who's jumping in on it to teach them the very basic fundamentals of hunting and all this information that I'm giving you. Some of it I'm taught talked about isn't in there, but it's usually state specific and um, you go over the every single chapter. You have homework before you even go. You read through the, everything together and you just repeat uh, everything that you need to know. And most of it is safety. I would say 90% of this whole class and all these tests that you take, is it's just safety for you as a hunter, you as a person, you protecting um, other people from yourself and them, themselves and animals. And the biggest thing about it that, I mean, that's pretty obvious. Of course, you're taking a 15-hour class to learn safety. Um, learn competency in the woods and all sorts of other things. But the biggest thing that I think that nobody really knows about it is um, the fact that one of the, like, I would say the second biggest component of it is uh, the ethical standpoint. Everything is tied in together from safety to ethics, safety and ethics. What's the safe thing to do? What's also the ethical thing to do? Um, we're taught how to do the most ethical type of uh, shots on an animal to, to bring them down. Um, uh, other practices of uh, how to take care of the environment while we're out and about, um, what we should and should not leave behind, which is nothing. But um, a lot of it also is uh, how to be respectful to property, respectful to the animals themselves, respectful to other hunters as well for safety and their own everything. And ethics is the biggest thing. It's, it's huge, especially in places where uh, private land is a huge uh, conflict between hunters and uh, property owners where how you should go about uh, being courteous to uh, private land and not going on there unless you have permission and how to treat it if you do have permission and they teach you really honestly how to be a really good person when you're doing that um, 
And honestly, we're also taught to have empathy for animals. We're, we're taught that we're supposed to learn and we're supposed to truly not become one with them necessarily, but you know, we're, we're pursuing these animals on their own turf. They have all the advantage, you know, the only, I mean, yeah, people say like, Oh, you know, you have a gun, you have this, this and that, but if you can't find the animal, cause you're not smart enough and you're not in with them and you're not, and you're not really paying attention what you need to, like, there's no real, you're, you're not, that, that gun has no advantage. That weapon has no advantage. There is no advantage to be had. They have honestly all the advantage. If they want to evade you and they know you're there, they're honestly going to evade you the best they can. And nine times out of 10, they're going to do it. So we're taught to have respect and these empathy for these animals that we're pursuing. And um, we really strive to be as respectful as possible to the bodies. We encourage people to not, be gregarious or extra with their photos and and uh and videos and we're, we're, we're taught that um that everything about this about this is meant to be with respect and dignity and as quickly as possible you know it does get dirty it does get bloody it does get you know to that point but that's only a fraction the biggest part of that is that we are taught that the experience that we're supposed to have is not centered around the animal's death. It's surrounded. It's centered around the surrounding area of the animal's death. The the time that we spend in the woods, the way, what it does for our spirits and our minds and um, what it even does for the environment of us being there and monitor, being able to monitor it. Um, we are, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really beautiful what we are really doing in there. It's just as, it's just as meditative as any experience as anything with any sort of hobby or sport or anything it's such a beautiful experience and it gets many people out in the woods in, in much different areas than normal i mean lots of people obviously hike and camp and you know adventure through uh the colder months but um for a lot a lot of the part a lot of people wouldn't and it gets you out there in times and you see so many different things when you're a silent observer of the environment i have seen so many occurrences seen so many more animals seen so many more animals uh leavings behinds and habitat that i never would have if i just went camping and hiking like i normally do and getting off the trail in an ethical way is such an amazing experience and i encourage anybody to do it any time of year you know just be safe and if you're gonna hunt hunt safe hunt smart um if you're not gonna be hunting make sure you know you're not you know if you are out in um uh, hunting season where blaze orange be respectful of other hunters try not to be disruptive um truly just take in the environment that you're in um and another thing is is that when that yeah a lot of people who whoop and holler and scream and, and stuff when when they do get a kill but a lot of the times um uh, that's purely just because we've been striving so hard against the weather against the animal itself against um, gets our own selves of wanting to give up and that's not necessarily disrespectful i mean there's plenty of people that do act disrespectful after a kill but um the the reason i bring this up is that there truly is especially the first time there's such a conflicting thing especially with with us you know with with, with good hunters ethical hunters that we have such respect for these animals and we love them so much that when we do get a kill it, it's there's this triumphant feeling but there's also this really like somber solace that is just like of the death. The death is just, it's so heartbreaking. Um, I myself just uh, cried. I didn't really cry. I got very emotional when I first, you know, took my first squirrel. You know, I uh, I got up of a ridge. I saw, I was a, I think it was a female. I, I saw her and, you know, she was standing upright and she was looking to the, to her right. And, you know, I, I squared up. I I, I lined it up and I and I took the shot and I it was quick it was it, it was it was painless for her I I took her through the 
the spinal cord. There was no, I, I, she, the only writhing she did was the ending of her consciousness or her neural pathways. And I believe it was a painless death. And, you know, she fed me. She, it, it was this great food. And I, I remember I respectfully took up her body. I laid it down. I, you know, I said a prayer and, you know, and thanks. And I took a moment admiring all of her features and, you know, how, you know, everything that she was, her body, her, her bones and all that. And every single step I took a respectful tone. I salvaged as many organs as I could as well as meat. And I don't have a purpose for the, 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 the pelt quite yet. And so I respectfully, uh, buried it and left everything else there for any animal to dig up and to be consumed by nature itself. And that was the first time I ever took one. And it, I, 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 I've never been the same since. And, um, and not because I've been this bloodthirsty killer to like, every time I see a squirrel, I, I want to grab for my gun and shoot it right then and there. I mean, there's plenty of times when my heart gets racing. Cause I remember what it's like to, to pursue these, these, these animals, but you know, it, it's all in respect. I, I now understand them so much better than I did before. And, you know, I, I can tell where they're living and what they're doing. And I, I, I can identify them so much easier and much, much better. And, you know, and I, I have just a newfound, um, ad- admiration for them. And, and this is just a squirrel, you know, just a rodent, but it's, it's like that with everything, at least with an ethical hunter. And I don't mean to get too grisly and too much into this, but, um, the meat itself was delicious. It was, it was so good. It, a lot of people would say that they're not good and they're not worth it, but especially when you get multiple, I would say one large gray squirrel or fox squirrel could feed one person with, with, with the side, of course, you know, pretty, pretty admirably, you know, including dessert. It has enough meat on there and there's so many ways that you can prepare it as well. And, you know, I just strive to, I personally strive to give, you know, each animal an ethical swift end as well as being so respectful with every aspect of it. And I know a lot of hunters do. Most hunters do. They're very respectful. They're very ethical. And, you know, there's controversy between certain ways here and there and certain preparations and of the meat and, and the skins and stuff and a lot of controversy and how you should do it, where you should do it, when you should do it. But, in all honesty, as long as you try your hardest to salvage as much and to keep it as, uh, uh, you you use it as much and, you know, and 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 truly consume it in an ethical, responsible way, you are doing right. And, um, and that's honestly all that I have for the basics of these myths that you know people have might think of and things. And I really hope that this taught you something. I really hope this has opened your mind and this has, um, shown you a, a different side to hunting. I don't expect any of you to want to go hunting now. I I. I, d- I don't expect that whatsoever. It's a very tough thing to do. It's very emotional. There's so much time and money that goes into it that it's not for everybody. Um, but what I really want you all to do is that next time you see something hunting, next time you, you see something that's against hunting, I really want you to take a second and think about it. Is this site? Is this article? Is this person? Do are, are, are they in the know? Do they know what you now know, what, what I've taught you? Do they understand the fully capacity? Or is it just, uh, j- just a k- kind of sort of campaign to uh, get something almost to end that shouldn't end that's been part of humankind since it's uh, emergence from however you want to believe that it came about um i want you to teach other people as well and even if you don't like have as much knowledge as i do and it's just one small a- a- aspect you know even if you're not trying to be an advocate for hunting anymore but just like you know if you hear something that's kind of ridiculous by somebody speaking somebody you know you just you can, you can just correct them a little bit not saying you have to you know, be like me and be a champion for it. But just, you know, you can correct people. This is like with anything, you know, you should correct people. And I hope that I've corrected things that you may not have 
known or thought and especially people that are against it i hope you have a new aspect and maybe you aren't against it anymore maybe you know you just understand that it's not for you and you're gonna get your own sustenance your own way and you, you you'll be with nature and your own your own respect but you'll be able to respect the way that i and thousands of others do it you know it's, it's just my way of reconnecting with um what i've been provided by by my heavenly father and in this nature and in this world and you know it, it's taken me places i never would have gone and it will take me places that i never would have ever been um outside of my own state and other forest and i really hope that this has really done something for you and that you can get jiggy with it and understand where i'm coming from i i, I that's really my hope it's just that it teaches somebody something and so you know and no matter what you do just just do it ethically no matter what it is in life and you know, um, you know, and, and with that, I'm signing off and, you know, I, I hope that you guys have a, I hope you have a wonderful day, my fellow thinkers and, you know, do something noteworthy, even if it's only to yourself.